you know, if if I was a Michigan student or a Michigan alum, I, I probably wouldn't go either because I, I'd be so sick of hearing the same two songs 800 <laughs> times and during a game that I, I would probably probably avoid it too. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Thanks again for the introduction from Mitch Lake. Um, This is Tim Brown, your host of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. We're going to have a brief little uh, show today talking about the GLI and a couple questions that came in late last week. Plus, we're going to include some of the content that got cut out of the last two episodes and provided only to our patrons to give you guys a flavor of what uh, you're missing out. We're going to go uh, do some thank you notes and a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back with a preview of the GLI. How's that sound, guys? Sounds good to me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back from our little break. Uh, let's preview the GLI where Michigan Tech starts off playing Michigan State. And Michigan is going to play Ferris State. Is that right, guys? Yep. Yeah, that's the right order, I think. And I think I looked... The guys at M Live have a ranking for the state, and I thought Michigan Tech and Michigan State were one, two. I forget which way. And, you know, Michigan State probably is the second best team in this event this year, which is kind of weird to say. They haven't exactly been that interesting of a team, and yet they're sitting, what, second place in the Big Ten? I guess I don't know where they are in the rankings. And they're one above us in the pairwise right now. Yeah, pairwise is pretty tight with us right now, I think. I haven't had a chance to really watch them much or look at them much, but um, any thoughts? Yeah, I've I've not seen a, a single Big Ten game myself this year. I haven't managed to watch any of them. It's been too much good WCHA stuff to watch to even bother with the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, well, besides not to mention seeing the package and trying to find the games and everything i mean i guess we have some of it on there but i think i've had it a couple times where like the michigan or the the big 10 stuff has been like blacked out on me even though it says i should be able to watch so michigan state yeah they're right they're a little bit ahead of us in goals scored yeah they're, they're tied for second in the big 10 with uh, ohio state right now at 19 points behind penn state yeah, they're pretty much even on goals, the goal differential. So Tech kind of has a little bit of an advantage defensively there. But it's it should be a, a pretty good matchup, honestly. 
which which kind of surprises me. I guess I went into the season not expecting a whole lot from Michigan State, but they're better than I thought they would be. Oh, they're definitely better. Well, the whole Big Ten seems to be backwards, right? I mean, it's uh, you got you got Michigan and Wisconsin on the bottom. And I don't remember what Michigan was supposed to do this year, but Wisconsin was supposed to be. This was like it was supposed to be Granado's year to finally break out and not be terrible with the program, and he uh, he hasn't <laughs> done that. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, it's a weird situation that you've got. It's basically a complete flip of what you'd really expect with. Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the bottom three. Notre Dame is in the middle. Then Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State are the top of that conference. I mean... Well, Penn State and Ohio State have been pretty decent the last few years within the Big Ten. They have, but but in the, but more in an abstract of like where you thought the conference would be when it started. Yeah, no, for sure. I would agree. You, you wouldn't expect to see those three at the bottom. And certainly not all of them. Like, I could see, you know... One of them having the off year, but all three kind of at the same time seems a little weird to me. And not only that, I mean, it's 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 not a small gap either. Michigan's sitting with seven points in the standings, and Penn State has 24. Well, and Penn State destroyed Michigan when they played them, I think, too, didn't they? I mean, that's not even competitive at all. Yeah, and then you've got the big three, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, or what, minus 10 on the one loss? Minnesota's got four more losses than wins. Wisconsin's seven and ten, and Michigan's six and ten, so eleven. Yeah. I guess Michigan and Penn State split, so it wasn't, and, and both games weren't too far off. So Michigan played well against Penn State this year. Uh, if, the games I was thinking of Minnesota. Penn State destroyed Minnesota, <laughs> eight to two and six to three. <laughs> well, M- Michigan had the exact same result against Clarkson as we did. They tied and. Tied the first night and, and lost the second night. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty even. But yeah, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan Tech, all three teams to me seem to be on pretty even ground. All have a really good chance of winning the tournament. I I think Ferris is probably a few steps behind, but yeah, I don't know if Ferris has a chance to win, but I. I th- certainly think they have a chance a good chance to be in the title game because i think they've been playing pretty well lately and some of that might be who they've been playing but i certainly hope they they do get the, to the title game even if that means that you know tech has to play an in-conference opponent for a non-conference game but like and how does, before it's it's how nice does, to see uh, michigan and michigan state in the third place game how does that work out pairwise ratings wise if is it better for us to have Ferris win that first game and and play an opponent that is a division of, or you know conference opponent? Pairwise doesn't care whether they're in a conference opponent or not, but we, what it, what it does is it if you play Michigan and Michigan State, it gives you that chance at a, you know bettering your comparison against another team. We are, Tech already has a chance to to do that with Ferris with conference games. Right. The the best opportunity for Michigan Tech pairwise is for Ferris and Michigan to play to a tie and for Michigan to win the shootout because the pairwise doesn't care about that. So then at least state or then, then, and, and if, and then tech needs to win their game against state. And then you've got four opportunities for the conference to, to, to do something positive. But in all honesty, I'd rather see um, Ferris lose and then somehow beat state so that we get to play both of them. That's better for us. But, 
for the conference as a whole, it's probably better that it's a Ferris Tech final, but then, you know, Tech has to make sure they find a way to win. Um, but Ferris has not gotten swept since early November now, when they got swept by Western in a home-and-home. They split with Bemidji, which is hard to do. Split with Alaska, mm-hmm. which everybody seems to do except for us, that one series. They got four points from Anchorage and Anchorage, and they got four points from Huntsville and Big Rapids. So their schedule certainly got easier than it was, but and they're all close games. I mean, so at least the you know they went to shootout against Anchorage they went to th- they lost three on three to Huntsville so it, it, I think they have a chance against Michigan the way Michigan's been lately but I, yeah I don't really see them beating state or tech in the final but you know anything can happen when you get to that point too yeah I think it'll be interesting to see how how Ferris does for sure and I haven't even looked do you guys know how much of this is on TV or how we were watching this year I'm not sure. If you look at like uh, college hockey news, the schedule for the you know teams' games usually has a little link to TV and where it goes. I don't see one of those uh, for the Ferris Michigan game at least because that's the page I'm on right now. Well, I think last year Friday, the first day was all on Flow, and only the championship I thought was on Fox Sports. The schedule. The USCHO doesn't even show for the the column for TV doesn't show anything for either game, so it's not even it's not on here. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't. I, it, the way it's set up for the final on the app, like I'm not sure it's gonna be right anyway. It's a little yeah. So well, this says yeah. This doesn't even say that. Ferris, Michigan will be on flow. It says Michigan State Tech will be. And then it doesn't say what's going on with the day. I don't know. We'll have to see if whenever uh, Tech does their release, or I might have to inquire to actually know and get that out in our liner notes when I actually get this done. Um, yeah, that'd be a question to you know, just ask the university and get that little publicized size because it'd be nice to know where, where those games are going to be and when they're going to be played or when they're getting televised. Yeah, because it'd be good to know what we have to do to watch. Um, right. And what are the dates? That, are they actually, is it the 30th and the thirty and the, and the first, 31st this year? Yep. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to analyze about that series i think it's surprisingly closer than uh than what it was expected to be i mean other than that i hope ferris can pick up the win and and we see uh you know another michigan third place game yeah <laughs> that should be fun i guess the only other thing that i wouldn't mind touching on a little bit is um i think sometime this week we'll be releasing a little commentary from our one of our editors and former president of misfits matt cavender he's kind of taking a shot at the michigan and michigan state students for not really showing up for this tournament trying to figure out why <laughs> when they when they're so much closer than we are and he kind of listed a bunch of the excuses he's gotten because they've even like tried to talk to some of the 
leaders of the other student sections and they you know they have every excuse in the book and it's like really you guys have thousands of alumni and student you know and current students that live in the greater detroit area why can't you organize and actually get people to show up for this thing i mean and neither team's bowl game is on a day of the tournament so unless you're going i can't even remember which team now i think it's michigan maybe i don't know i don't even care that much but one of them i think plays like on sunday in a bowl game somewhere so maybe that whoever that is like that makes some sense that you might not be able to make it but that's there should still be plenty of more people that could come and participate because how many college students are actually going to a bowl game when they you know i just don't understand how that tournament isn't more interesting and maybe it's because doesn't don't michigan and state play there at other times of the year yeah, they have their they have their battle at the D or whatever they call it. It's something something like that where they play. Uh, so they still do that. I I don't I don't know if it's on the schedule. Yeah, they do have it. It's uh, the seventeenth of February this year. They play one of their games uh, versus State at Little Caesars. It says according to the footnote on College Hockey News. So yeah, they are playing a series at the Joe, and maybe you know maybe that's the draw. But I, I don't know. It's a holiday. It's a holiday event, and I know maybe that. Michigan's alumni base maybe isn't as centered around downstate Michigan. They draw a lot more from a, a wider area, so maybe people going home for the holidays aren't necessarily going somewhere downstate, right? But I still don't buy that as an excuse. There's a huge alumni base for Michigan within the state. I think it's pretty obvious that they're just not they're just not as dedicated as fans as Tech, and they're probably just you know probably. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're just a better fan base <laughs> from a hockey I, perspective. Well, I, think yeah, I think you're course. right. I think that's. <laughs> I think we're more dedicated. Yeah. I think we, you know, part of it too is as a fan base, we have less other big time sports pulling us in other directions. That's you can't deny that we don't have the college, the football team that's still playing to care about, and even then, like it's not D one, but. In the grand scheme right. of things, but we have like, a but we have a tenth the the we, we have a tenth of the students. No, I know, and that's of, the other of, thing. We have such a small student body; it's not that hard. Like I feel like the other student groups are accepting defeat without even trying to organize anything. You you telling me that a bunch of other kids that maybe don't live around here wouldn't come to games if you organized like, hey guys, you know who wants? I can have four people crash at my house, kind of stuff, like. Like when they came down for the, when Michigan Tech came down for the um, final five, like the last time it was in St. Paul under the new conference, like mm -hmm. I had 30 kids sleep at my house. Like, you know, you do everything you can to help everybody get to where they need to be and help misfits save money and stuff. And I just don't feel like they have that, that infrastructure at all. And, and I know, you know, some of it is that, uh, tech is kind of a special place when it comes to all that, and the Misfits are an amazing group that's done a great job of sustaining all that. But and, and some of, and there's you know a handful of alumni that have done a great job of staying involved in some fashion and keep things up and help and everything else. But it it amazes me that there just isn't that with State or Michigan. You know they act like 
what is it, the children of Yost or whatever, they act like they're the best in the country, and, like, I don't... I mean, I've never been to Yost to see them live in person, like, for a home game, but, like, they sure as heck don't impress me when it comes to traveling, so... I've never heard of a Michigan student or a Michigan alum being arrogant about their school, so it doesn't make any sense to me that they would, you know, <laughs> be that way. <laughs> I, I I can kind of see it from their point of view. I, I you know, if if I was an, a Michigan student or a Michigan alum, I, I probably wouldn't go either because I, I'd be so sick of hearing the same two songs <laughs> eight hundred times and during a game that I, I would probably probably avoid it too. <laughs> but that's that sounds like that's the way it is all the time, right? Maybe maybe if their band learned how to play another song or two, they would be <laughs> a little bit more inclined to go. <laughs> well, I'd be curious to see just like the alumni base too. I mean, our alumni base in downstate is is not small, right? Right. You know, it's it's an easy it's an easy way for a lot of alums to reconnect with with tech and the program uh, down in in Detroit area without having to drive. You know the the long drive all the way up north to Houghton for a game. So it, it becomes an easy way for anyone downstate to, to, to jump in. It's been a holiday tradition for a lot of folks at this point. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's very true. It, and that's a good way to put it. It, it is, a, it is becoming a tradition or it has been a tradition for years for a lot of tech alumni that that's what they do over the holidays is uh, visit family and we're going to all go to the GLI. And I think that's, that's great because it is really cool to see so many tech fans there and and have that much of an impact in downstate. I mean, it's the exact opposite for my family, right? It was the only time tech was ever on TV. I think my mom and dad have been to GLI once. I've never been. <laughs> we always stay at home uh, in the Houghton area because it's on TV. And yeah. it was usually the only time you could see tech on TV. So we, we, we've never gone over the holidays. I think my mom and dad only have gone one time. I've never been to Detroit for a hockey game. One of these years, I'll make it over there, but you know, I've never been to GLI. No, and it, it, but it, but you're right, Dustin. Like the whole the whole family gathering atmosphere that they've created there, the tech group has, and in the the alumni gathering area, and the pickled eggs, and everything else that they do to like help make it like remind people of their time in Houghton really helps get the alumni out to that event, and the fact that we you know, have won the tournament and played for the championship a lot in the last, you know, decade has really helped that too, I think. Yeah, there's a welcome change. <laughs> I think we could get into some questions and then we'll probably wrap up with maybe some predictions on what we think is going to happen in this tournament. Let's take a break and come back and we'll do a couple questions. All right, so uh, first question was from Paul on Discord. He asked, if you could touch upon attendance in college hockey comparing capacity of arena and what percentage of fans attend the games and where tech fits into that equation. Anybody got anything they want to say about that? I mean, I think the last time I saw stats pulled, somebody was either on Discord or, or on USHO. Somebody pulled stats there, and from a percentage base, tech was you know, first or second in those, at least in the WCHA. It'd be interesting to run that type of comparison for, you know, college hockey as a whole where you compare uh, the town population versus an arena population and what capacity we're at. Yeah, somebody, somebody's done that before. I, I have seen that 
Have you seen it? Have you seen it for college hockey wide or just WCHA? I've seen WCHA only. Oh, I have sure. seen it for college hockey wide. It was a few years ago, and I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think if you compare the attendance to the local population, the size of local population, that uh, Tech was number one on the list. Yeah, and it's not even close. I don't think it's not. But no. nationally, right now, Michigan Tech is 24th in the country in average attendance. Period. Which is which is very good in in my opinion. Um, you you have to take the, you have to take the top that ten off of the, off that list for you know arenas that are massive and you know it, it, you, you can't compare tech to North Dakota or Wisconsin when it comes no, to attendance. No, and the other thing the other thing that I have an issue with whenever we do this, and it kind of came up on Twitter was uh, that one of the problems I have is a lot of these other arenas are counting. Uh, their capacity as the number of seats they have, and Michigan Tech does not. Michigan Tech uses their fire code number for their capacity. So it's not really apples to apples. Like, they are not going to sell out every game to fire code capacity at 4466. Like, you know, they're basically... They sell more tickets than they have seats, I believe. But they don't get you know 1200 extra standing room seats or people every game that's the big thing um because they're at 3163 and i gotta think seats in the building is around that 3200 number i'm not sure yeah i don't know what the actual seat number is versus the standing room capacity i I don't know the answer to that to be honest and 3200 if i'm thinking about it might be the number of regular seats so you're you're talking another hundred between the or a couple hundred between the suites and the and the boxes but even then it's still not the 4466 that they list at whereas like um yeah i mean yeah and and you said dustin yeah the top 10 or top 13 average more people than tech can technically hold minnesota state is 13th with 4484 and they're at the top in the WCHA, and I think Tech is second right now. Right above Northern Michigan, Bemidji, Bowling Green. Bowling Green's really low, actually. Surprising. Like 2,500 capacity, or attendance for 5,000 capacity. That is, that is surprising. I would have expected them to be better attended, especially with how good yeah, they've been the last they've few years. Some, yeah, they're, I don't know. Their rink has a five thousand capacity. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was that big. It doesn't look that big when you're watching the games on the on flow. But it might be because it's a fuller bowl than what Tech has. But it certainly doesn't seem as tall. I don't know where that number comes from. I've never looked into it. If it's yeah, if it's an exaggeration for effect or that's one of the rinks I've not been to yet. So I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any in person. Uh, you know, experience with it and to know. But I would have thought they'd have had less capacity than the McGinnis. But like you said, it's a full bowl all the way around, I think, right? Or is it not? I don't I don't remember. I don't know. I'm guessing it's at least a three-quarter, like a horseshoe. I feel like that one end is not, but... Um, like, I feel like they have a wall like we do on one side. But I think the rest of it's a full, like a three-quarters bowl. Um, but yeah, the... 
Michigan Tech is doing fine on attendance. They're, that's not their problem at all. Um, I think they do a great job of interacting, having events, getting people out, especially on like some of the weekends that maybe students aren't there as much that like they are doing the community events. Like last weekend or the last home series against Clarkson, they had that the the auto dealer do that giveaway and stuff and promote the games and. I think they've done a great job with attendance, honestly, and and that's not really a problem. And and they're doing a great job with attendance at a time when everybody is struggling with attendance. And you you look around the country to a lot of places, it, it's yeah, attendance is, is down, and it's it's down in in not just college hockey. It's you know all kinds of different sports, professional and college, are seeing attendance issues, and it seems like. Uh, tech is doing a pretty good job of weathering that storm and it's always good to see you know, a, a full rink and it, it, it does reflect really well on on the program and, and I think it reflects really well on the community too that that you know their dedica- their dedication to the program and the it's, you know, it's it's not it's not all the students right and and it's hardly any alumni because most alumni don't stay in Houghton it's 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 community members that are coming out there and and attending games so it's a it's, it's, it's a credit to them and their dedication, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, that's always been one of my favorite things about McGinnis, how it is, you know, it almost gets split between the student side and the community side, but both sides are there supporting the team, you know. There's not just one student section or one, you know, community-based section. There's the the, the, the arena itself is, is split, right? You got the, the old stand-up old people signs and that kind of stuff where the students <laughs> kind of harass the other side in, in a good-natured way. The, the click-click you know. side? Yep, the click-click from from USCHO that's been there for a long time, right? That whole – the whole atmosphere in the McGinnis, I think, fits and, and, and works really well for college hockey. Like you said, Dustin, the community supports the program. It's not just the university and students driving the attendance – uh, it's the community as well, and you're drawing from a community whose population is nowhere near what most of the other schools, even in the WCHA, are pulling from. So it's uh, it's always a good thing to see. And really, that is where some of these other programs have failed, right? With attendance, look look at we. I think in past podcasts we we talked about Minnesota and and their attendance issues, and where they have failed is nobody in the community cares about Gopher hockey anymore. Sure, you have the you have the alumni and the students and stuff like that that care, but there's no buzz. Nobody in the, nobody in the community cares, and it's no. That's where a lot of these schools are are losing attendance. So it's it's important to make sure that that connection stays strong and that the school and the community you know are working together and and getting tickets out there, like you said, with the the, the promotions that they do. Um, I think it's good and a good, healthy relationship, and that's it's very that's an important thing to have. Yeah, and Minnesota's third on this list with eighty two hundred, but you and I both know that that's not happening. Half of those people aren't coming, even though they paid like that, like to a lot of those games. Like there's there's a big gap between paid attendance and attendance, and right. There have been golfer games that you know flipping through the channels that I've I've just. You know, look to see what the score is and on a gopher game, and you see that you see the, the the stands, and I don't think there's more than two thousand twenty five hundred people in, in Mariucci for some of those games. And when you have a ten thousand seat arena and it's that empty, it looks it looks awful. 
yeah, it, it looks real bad. It looks real bad. And you're drawing from one of the major metros in the United States in the state of hockey, and you can't pull in, you know, enough people to to make your rink look respectable on TV. It it's a really poor reflection on the state of hockey in and I don't mean the state of hockey as in the state of Minnesota, but as in the where hockey is right now for some of these Big Ten programs that have just they've lost. It feels like they've lost interest uh, in hockey as a sport at these Big Ten schools, and maybe it's just oversaturation of athletics. Right, basketball and football are what matter, and people just don't care about hockey at at the Big Ten schools. But it wasn't always that way. I mean, you look at well, I. Th- I think a lot of it's the fact that these Big Ten schools thought that they could turn hockey into a third revenue stream, like a big revenue stream, and they shot themselves in the foot, like expanding prices and and other things, and then the whole conference reshuffle, like it's all, you know, bad timing. Um, I don't know who was one of the guests or one of you guys mentioned a few weeks ago that last week or two weeks ago the tickets for Mariucci for the games were only five bucks trying to get people in. Yeah. Yeah, I think Shane mentioned that. Yeah, someone on the yeah. show did. And that, I mean, if you're paying a quarter of the price to go see Minnesota play hockey compared to a Tech game, something is wrong with that program at that point that they're desperately trying to get people back in. Tickets, tickets were $5 and, and nobody went. Still, nobody went. Right, exactly. I mean, my ticket to... My ticket to the Tech game versus tickets to the Tech game versus Clarkson were twenty bucks a pop, and I don't have a problem with that. That's a reasonable price for a college hockey game to me. But uh, when when a program like Minnesota in a major metro is, is paying, there is a charge of five dollars a game, and they still aren't getting the people into the stands. That's just it's just sad to see those big programs that were were such a huge part of the old WCHA not do well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that's enough on that one. The only other question we got was from Dave Corpy, who asked via email, is Tyler Rockwell the most dependable defenseman on the Huskies? Um, he kind of went into some other details, but I don't know if we need to get into all of that. But I think if uh, we go into all the details, we answer the question. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, okay. I'll give him his. I'll let him give his side. He's not flashy like Seamus skating the puck out of the defensive end, and maybe doesn't have the big booming shot from the point like uh, maybe Datama. But he always seems to have a great poise with the puck under pressure and makes smart plays defensively, whether it's gap control or chipping the puck out high on the glass to clear the zone. Do you guys agree? And if so, why does he not get more attention for how good of a shutdown player he is? Uh, I. I think he is the most depend. I think I think the question is important too. I think he's the most dependable defenseman the team has. I, I think there's little doubt of that, especially after you know the Donahue's had some problems with with discipline, taking that bad hit uh, against Clarkson, and I don't think that's the first time this year he's done something like that. Um, you don't see that with Rockwell. Rockwell's Rockwell's just been steady and 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 dependable is the right word I think. What about you guys? Yeah, I think it's an important uh, an important trait of a defenseman is just being that calming factor, right? Not hurrying. If you watch the really good defensemen defenseman play, they they get the puck and 
it always looks like it's effortless and they just know where to go with the puck and it, it and I think he's got a little bit of that maybe you know it, and maybe that can he can grow into that a little bit more but it's, it's just that that calming nature where and that I think that is that is dependability right it, it, it's when, when players are playing like that then you can depend on them and so I think dependability like you said Tim is is a great way to put it well and it helps that he's one of the few upperclassmen too yeah well a couple other things I'll point out about him too just from you know watching myself is that when he's up in the offensive zone he, he pinches up in a, in a way that you know it's really smart compared to most of the, I want to say compared to the rest of the defensive but you always notice him pinching up and and holding the blue line, whether it be by jumping down low a little bit to keep it or not, but uh, his offensive zone play is is rock solid as well. And and I'm amazed that he only has a single point this year, given the fact that his plus minus is six. He's been on the ice to have his his plus minus be the highest on the team, uh, but he's only got one point total. He's got one goal with with no assists. So he he's out there for goals being scored more than anybody else on the team, you know. But he's uh, only got one point. So you know, I I I'd, I'd say at this point he's he's our best defenseman both ways on the ice for sure. Just rock solid, dependable, like you said. You know, kind of like a Gretzky, right? Exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's, that's the first player that came to my mind. <laughs> And and he's a small guy too. He looks he looks like he would get bullied by any larger forward or someone he's going up against in the corners. But he manages to pop out of of the corners with the puck more often than not when he's the guy going into those corner battles. So you know he just just plays with a intelligence that makes size not make a difference being a smaller defenseman. It's it's impressive to watch him. Yeah, I think the other player that probably deserves to be mentioned here is Goats. I think he's done a great job as a sophomore, but and he and he's certainly putting up more points. And I do feel like Joe really trusts him in a lot of situations as well. But it's hard to say that Rockwell isn't the most dependable guy on the team that that Joe can trust the most um, in any situation. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it on that one. Alright, let's do some predictions. What do we, what do you guys think is going to happen in the GLI? Why don't we start with Rob? I'll go... I think you're going to have a, a tight game with Michigan State. That That's going to be the more challenging of the two games. But I think we pull it off against State. And it's been a few years since uh, since we won the whole thing. So I'm going to actually call call for us winning over Michigan in the in the second game. I want to see a GLI win. It's been it's been a while, relatively speaking, over <laughs> previous or you know, recent history. What do you think, Dustin? Uh, well, Rob, that was that was going to be my exact prediction too. I think I think Tech is going to win it, and I think it's going to be Tech Michigan in the the championship game. Hopefully, I hope we're I hope we're right. <laughs> this is really a boring prediction segment. <laughs> There's no bias here at all. No bias. <laughs> yeah, no bias. But, uh, I mean, I think it's hard to argue that Tech isn't the best team in this tournament. You know, like the – like, I guess you have an argument. Maybe Michigan State is. But I feel like, honestly, Michigan Tech's had the harder schedule. They have a slightly better record. And uh, I think they win that first game, I think. And I kind of feel like they 
run away with the title a little bit. So yeah, I we're all picking the same thing. I think it's going to be two games against Big Ten teams for Tech, but they come home with the title for the first time since Copley was in that whenever the heck that was. What was it, 2013? Was that the one? Yeah, it feels, I it feels like it was a long time ago with that first win. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Well, not not as long as the one before that, though. Oh, I'm well aware. 1980? <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess that's all we really got. I think we're going to run a couple segments from the last two weeks, including non-conference discussion, and then we had a question, I think, last week about the GLI that I held off to run this week. So thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, enjoy the extra content, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Yep, thanks. It's uh, Aaron Jolie um, was brought up the GLI and was kind of wondering – why Michigan and Michigan State never play each other in the first round? And since Tech is host, is it up to them to set the schedule? Um, and he had a couple more kind of peripheral questions about that. But basically, Tech and Michigan are officially co-hosts of this tournament. And Michigan State is a permanent invitee of Michigan um, we've talked a little bit before about how we don't really agree with who Michigan Tech has chosen for that fourth team the last two or three years. Um, Michigan State and Michigan do not play each other because at least as far back as I can remember, it's always been this. I don't think it's ever not happened, has it, Rob? Do you know? As far as I can remember as a little kid watching on TV, it's always been Tech plays one of those two first. They never play each other. They're, they're conference opponents. Yeah, it's conference right? opponents. So it doesn't you make don't want sense to play them to play. if you don't have to. Um, yep. You either, you know, you want, and, and it's kind of set up to be, like, in all honesty, for a long stretch there, it was always set up to be this celebration of those two schools playing it for the title of this. Now, thankfully, three of the last, like, four years, Michigan and Michigan State have uh, played each other in the third place game, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, if you want depressing stats, look at the Wikipedia page for how many times those two have played each other in a row. Well, that's not involved. Yeah, for the title. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like all of my childhood. Yeah, my I I've gone to two or three GLIs and I've never seen Tech win a game. Um, <laughs> I drank a your lot <laughs> of fifteen dollar seven sevens at one of those GLI games. Yeah, that sounds expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's set up that way for a reason. It's to like try and maximize interest for the title if it falls that way. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and, and yeah, it, you know, I don't want like this year, Tech and Ferris are there, and Michigan and Michigan State are there. I don't want to play Ferris in that first game, so I I don't have a problem with that. Um, the bigger issue to me is. Well, the other thing that you talked about or you asked about there, Aaron, is the schedule. Tech has some control over the schedule, not so much the dates, but the time. Like one of the changes that I believe Jamie Russell implemented was Tech not always playing the late game on the semifinals so that they would get the extra rest some years. That didn't really help anything. But, um, you know, I think that's a good thing that Tech's not always the late game from a, from a competition side of things but it is a little bit you know taking away from the the like the the luster of tech participating but i think it's fair if it gets rotated regularly um and i think the biggest thing is they just need to 
to get back to eat to they need to stop inviting WCHA teams really what it comes down to you know until the the league's over but um then it's the same you know just the same thing and and the biggest problem they have is they really want to try and invite teams that are close by and pretty much every team that's close by is in the WCHA or the Big 10 you basically have Miami that doesn't really travel fans which is their big push is to try and get more people there from the fourth team or Western. And in all honesty, if, if you gave me the choice, I'd just say invite Western every year. Um, oh, why not Notre Dame? They're not far. They're in the Big Ten. They can't have three Big Ten teams. Yeah, I suppose. They, they should have been invited every year when they were in when the, they were out the East. Out east yeah. but, and they also, don't they do their own tournament? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they or do. They did for a while there. I don't know if they do anymore. I don't know if they're still doing it or not. Because didn't they have like the Shillelagh tournament they or did, whatever? yeah. I don't think that lasted, though. But, but I, I mean, I have an idea that will never happen, so we may as well talk about it. Okay. Um, I I think the best setup for the GLI would be uh, Tech and Michigan being permanent, just like we are right now, hosts. Uh, every other year, Western and Michigan State take a spot. So yeah. Michigan State no longer being a permanent invitee, but flip with Western, so we get Western involved. And then the fourth team being a in a random not random but uh an invitee from another conference hopefully um, like an nchc team or, it, or somebody else out east yep but yeah. it, it, like i said it's not going to happen because michigan nope. state is going to be a permanent invitee for the foreseeable future but yeah yeah it's just too bad there isn't a whole lot else they can do because i don't see miami making sense I mean, it, I I don't have a problem with them being there, but they're not going to do what Tech's looking for, which is provide, you know, a thousand tickets sold. Um, yeah, I just don't know where else you go. Like, Notre Dame would have been a great one, except they're in the Big Ten now. I don't, yeah, but, you know, back when I went, I went and I think Boston College was one of the years. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them, like, invite North Dakota every four years or something. Like, that would be nice. Like, I would love to have a deal where... You know, Tech goes out to Grand Forks and gets North Dakota to go to the GLI, you know, every couple of years kind and, of thing. And to be honest, North Dakota would bring more fans than most of the North teams North Dakota would close. definitely bring more fans. Yeah. <laughs> North Dakota will bring enough, plenty of fans. It'll be, it'd be, it'd be good. Um, North Dakota fans are like a virus. They show up at every yeah. hockey event ever. There's always one somewhere. <laughs> even, even when their team's not playing. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Right. Yeah. You can always find the North Dakota fans somewhere in the stands. <laughs> All right, guys, so I have a list. Um, over the next month, the WCHA teams are playing 17 non-conference games. And there's some pretty good matchups on this list. And there's quite a few games here that have potential league-wide pairwise implications. Um, I'll just go over them, all the games, real quickly. Clarkson at Tech for two games, both ranked fairly high in the pairwise. Lake State is going to be at the Catamount Cup. They'll be playing Providence in one game and Vermont in another. Mankato and Bemidji are both going to be at the Mariucci Classic. The other two teams are St. Cloud and Minnesota. Tech will be at the GLI. Tech and Ferris will be at the GLI, along with Michigan and Michigan State. Um, Miami is at Bowling Green for one. Huntsville is at North Dakota for two. 
and Tech is at Arizona State for two for a total of 17 games. Lots of opportunities for getting some good wins for the league. Um, and I'm just going to pose a question to you guys. 17 games, how many wins does the WCHA get? Ooh. Uh, so Mankato, that's two. Yeah. Although they might not both be non-conference, right? Or is it set up that way? No, there could potentially be Mankato versus Bemidji. Okay. That's the Catamount one that you said? No, that's no, Mariucci. Mariucci Classic. That's Mariucci? Oh, okay. That's the Minnesota one. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Lake State, I don't... Versus Providence Lake State, and Vermont. Lake State's... In, in they've been tough this year to watch. I mean, like, they should have yeah. beat us in the second game, without a doubt, right? Yeah. But we managed to hold on. So I think Lake State picks up one, too. In, in those out-of-conference games. Yeah, Providence is going to be tough. Providence is a good team this year, but I, I think Lake, Lake State is going to be able to hold their own against Vermont. I'd probably say about eight or nine wins. Yeah, I, you know, and I think if we get eight or nine wins out of that as a conference, I think that's we got to consider that a pretty successful. You know, there's a few of them. You know, Huntsville at North Dakota, that's two losses, right? Um, what are you saying? Oh, man, would that be a fantastic pairwise bomb if they could pull up an upset, though? Oh, that would be nice. But I don't Although see it. Although, is that nice from our perspective, seeing how North Dakota is in a common opponent with the math side of things? Do we want Huntsville to lose those from a pairwise perspective because we played North Dakota? Our, 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 I'm going to say yes because I like chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Our ranking will go down because North our strength of or our opponents' opponents are going to go way down after that series. <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah, that, like nine. Yeah, so I think I that's a pretty tech, safe number I say there. Tech wins three of the four that they have. Series the Clarkson and Arizona State. Lake State gets one. Mankato wins the classic. I don't know what Bemidji does if they can win the second game. But I don't want. I, I feel like Bemidji. I want Bemidji drops to tie Minnesota and lose the shootout. <laughs> I, From I, a pairwise perspective, I, I, I think Bemidji's got a pretty good chance at beating Minnesota. I do, but I don't want them to play Minnesota State in the title. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather Minnesota State get the chance to win, beat both of them. But mm -hmm. yeah, I I think Tech has a damn good shot at winning the GLI this year. Fair State is most likely finishing fourth in that tournament. I think Bowling Green should beat Miami. I think Huntsville gets swept. And then, yeah, Tech and Arizona State, I think that's probably a split. I also think it's kind of annoying from just from, from Bowling Green's perspective. You know, you guys are, are rolling pretty well this year, but you don't have a lot of out-of-conference, it seems. You only have four. Is that what it looks like, right? Uh, they had the Icebreaker, so that's two there. They had Miami, that's three and four. Notre, and Dame, Notre Dame, five and six, and Western. Oh, you seven got a series of Western? Okay, I missed yeah, the Western series. We swept series. the Western series, which has really helped our strength schedule. Right, yeah. So it, it, it's it, kind of frustrating you guys don't have a couple more in there I think, <laughs> to keep it rolling. I think bottom line is if the league does what we think they, will happen, you know, eight or nine wins out of that group and wins the games that we think they can win, Three teams in the NCAA tournament becomes a very real possibility and potentially four. Potentially. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest thing there is, like we said last week, is, you know, 
The biggest thing is going to be how much... We basically need Huntsville and Anchorage to just continue to be terrible. We can't have them stealing points mm-hmm. and making us, the rest of the WCHA, get hurt by being the only teams that lost. And probably them. Ferris, too. And probably Ferris, too. Um because like we said, you know, as long as as long as you beat those bad teams, they're not they don't help you, but it doesn't hurt you to be, you know, as long as you're beating them. Yeah. You, team teams at the top of the league cannot suffer losses to those three teams though, otherwise it's just going to bomb their pairways. Yeah. I mean, look what happened in Northern. We said it and I think we brought it up, right? Rob, it was what 200 points or something. Yeah, that hurt them real bad. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> Northern sucks, right? Maybe. <laughs> shout out to app arch for uh doing the whole uh, uh hate listening and actually liking the podcast yeah <laughs> that was good to see agreed yeah northern if they had won the game if they hadn't split that series they'd have they'd have 52 32 for pairwise going into this last weekend and instead they were at 50 64 so they lost like a hundred and 80-some points or 160-some points there. Pretty big loss. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons at our black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode zero. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at tech hockey guide you can submit questions through our email address chasing mac at techhockeyguide.com or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing mac pod don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on apple google spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you can't find the podcast on your site of choice please let us know and we'll ha- make it happen the more you rate review or share the more people we can reach so tell your friends Please check out Jonathan's Zameda series previews every Friday and Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. Uh, this week you should have a nice little uh, interview with Michigan Tech legend Jim Morden. Uh, there should be some semi-regular content on Mondays and Tuesdays going forward from Matt Cavender and myself. Matt's got a nice little thing we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast about attendance at the GLI. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for being kind enough to record a new introduction for the podcast and our patron saint, Doc McGresin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.
tell the world the truth and the lies can always be preserved in a place far away from the back of your mind. Your mind. 